everyone, and welcome back to the Grace Through Recovery podcast. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Andrea. I'm a licensed professional counselor and a person in long-term recovery. And you know, I've said this before, but my real intention in creating this podcast was to give those of us affected by someone else's addiction a safe space to feel heard and understood. And we know the rate of substance abuse and really, unfortunately, deaths related to substance abuse have skyrocketed throughout COVID. And not to mention, you know, COVID outside of that, leading to even more feelings of isolation. And as I was thinking about that and preparing for this episode, I was just thinking about COVID and substance abuse also have something else in common, and that is powerlessness. Talk about two phenomena where we feel so much lack of control, right? Over a disease, over how other people respond to the disease, over how much other people understand about the disease, and really the more we try to control it, the more out of control we feel. So in today's episode, I'm going to share my thoughts on powerlessness and step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol or addiction and our lives had become unmanageable. So that first word, we, addiction breeds isolation, right? It tells us that no one else's family goes through what our family goes through, that no one will understand, that others will think we're stupid for staying in this relationship, or that we'll be judged and no one will want to talk to us anymore. So we stay quiet, but the isolation just increases the feelings of loneliness and despair. And I really have found that the more I share about my situation, the more people I find who understand. I really don't think there's anyone out there who has not been impacted in some way by someone else's substance misuse. And then of course, right, if you don't feel comfortable sharing with those closest to you, there's other resources such as Al-Anon or Naranon or Families Anonymous where we can go and still get that connection and feedback from others. And I think really being able to hear from others who are going through or have gone through what you're going through is so crucial to healing. To be able to hear other stories of hope and to get encouragement and feedback from those who have been there, really connecting and sharing with others also helps to bring back our own personal power and a sense of agency over our own lives as we are starting to own our story by sharing it. So I think that's such powerful wording and so special in this first step, though we admitted, because really we're all in this together. And admitting powerlessness, gosh, that is so hard. And I think it is such a process. And if you're listening to this, you've probably done that or are on your way to doing that. And that's amazing. And we really have to do that to recover. And I think it's so hard because addiction is so sneaky. It disguises itself as a moral failing or a choice that someone makes. So then we become angry and resentful at the seemingly very poor choices that someone's making. So understanding that addiction is a disease is the first step in admitting our powerlessness. And that's a huge one, right? Because how many other diseases would you take responsibility for? or try to control that disease in your loved one? Probably not any. And the addiction is no different. You know, at some point, a person consumes so much of a substance that their brain must change and adapt to that chemical that 
that's continually being introduced. And so once that happens, the brain has changed. And this is a lifelong chronic and progressive illness and one that absolutely can be put into remission. And to me, knowing that and accepting that provides so much relief. And I know it can sort of sound scary and maybe even hopeless to hear that, but really I think what it means is that you did nothing wrong, you didn't create this, and it's not in your power to cure it, so really this is your permission to stop trying. And the longer that I'm in recovery and also working with families in recovery, the more I realize the addiction causes generally the same impact on everyone. And this commonality that we see, not just with the addicted person, but in the whole family system, that's why we call it a family disease. It's a disease of thinking and of the relationship. You know, the addict's behavior impacts us, and then we react to it. You may become angry or hurt or blame yourself for it or try to control or hide it. You might try things like pouring the alcohol out, flushing any drugs you find, searching the house or the car, may try nagging or punishing your loved one or pleading with them and on and on and on to no avail. But once we're really able to understand the disease model and we know that we didn't cause this as much as the addict didn't cause it and we can't control it just like they can't control it, we can really lean into that powerlessness idea. None of us chose this illness, and here we are. So what we do have control over and power over is how we respond and the changes we make in our own behavior to help put the disease in remission. And then on to what may be maybe the hardest part, and I know was really hard for me, is admitting that our lives are unmanageable. It's easy to look at the behavior of the addicted person and say, their life's clearly unmanageable. But I think it's really much harder to look at ourselves. You know, the ones who have taken more responsibility, you've picked up all the pieces that were dropped by the addiction, you kept the house going and the bills paid and the kids fed and on and on and on. And so it's hard to admit that while you are so capable and resilient in so many ways, that your life is probably pretty unmanageable. You know, living in fear is not manageable. Trying to live while just waiting for the other shoe to drop or constantly worried about someone else's well-being, that's not manageable. When you stop doing things for yourself, like even putting off your own doctor's appointments or meeting other needs that you have, like you stop exercising or taking time for yourself or making sure you're eating full meals, that's not manageable. Not sleeping or eating or feeling irritable and snappy, that's not manageable. And I know, like, I can see this for me if I have an emotional over or under reaction to something. One big, you know, first sign to me is if I'm driving and start having road rage, typically that's not something that really upsets me or I feel any sort of emotion over is driving. And so when I notice starting to get upset with others and feeling more angry, I know my life is leading into that unmanageability territory and I need to do some cleaning up. And I've noticed I really have to be in a lot of pain and suffering in many areas of my life before I'm able to admit that unmanageability 
And I hope that that doesn't have to be the case for you. Admitting the unmanageability doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you or that you're not capable or that you're less than. No, in our case, I think it really just means that our lives have been wrecked by this disease and we are letting go of any perceived control we thought we had in order to create a better life for ourselves. So to me, it's really a relief to admit the unmanageability and the powerlessness over this disease. Like what a break we get to give ourselves. We don't have to carry around all that responsibility or try to manage ourselves and others and everyone's feelings and thoughts or try to control the use or make sure everyone's safe because all of that is out of our power. I can stop blaming myself and others. And there's a sense of hope knowing that others have been where I am and that there's a way out of this. So I think by admitting our powerlessness over others and their addiction, we began taking our own power back, the power to take care of ourselves and to keep the focus on us, the power to put ourselves first and begin mending the relationship with ourselves and our inner child. And when we keep the focus on ourselves and off others, then our lives become manageable. So that to me in, you know, a brief nutshell is what step one means. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol or addiction and our lives had become unmanageable. And the gifts that being able to take step one, live step one, can give to us. And I say that in, and if 12 steps aren't your way to recovery, like that's fine too. There's a million roads and ways to get to recovery. And I think the principles and the meaning behind step one is crucial in whatever type of recovery you choose, right? Like if we cannot let go of the idea that we have any sort of control over this and we continue to try to live life on our willpower alone, our lives will continue to be unmanageable. And that's really the hope uh, that I think recovery gives us is whether your addicted loved one continues using or not, you can reclaim your life and reclaim the manageability of it. We don't have to engage in the chaos. We don't have to engage in the storm. We don't have to do any of that anymore, right? We can be around if that's what you choose and show support and encouragement and maintain the manageability of our own lives. So those are all my thoughts on step one. And I would like to sort of wrap up today. I'd like to do a reading. Um, and this is a reading from a book from Al-Anon called Paths to Recovery. And it is one that really has stuck with me since I first got into recovery. Um, yeah, so I'll just read it first and then maybe offer my thoughts on, on why I think it's so powerful. So if you have this book, it's on page 12 and it's called, I could see the effects before Al-Anon, I wouldn't have accepted any part of step one. I thought I was fine and that everything would be perfect if I could only get the alcoholic to stop drinking. And as I began to study and work the first step, I found it easier to admit the first part of it than the second part. I am a visually oriented person. As I looked at step one and the word alcohol, I visualized a bottle of whiskey. Later, I visualized a person drinking from the bottle. 
I could see the alcohol going into the person and changing him into the alcoholic. I could see I was powerless over the alcoholic when he was drinking, but learning that I was powerless over him at all times took longer. Later, my visualization showed me the bottle and the person drinking it, the alcohol flowing from that person to me, to family members, business associates, etc. I could see all of us swimming in a sea of alcohol and then coming out, shaking ourselves off and spreading the disease to even more people. It took time for me to admit that even though I didn't drink the alcohol, the disease could come through me and affect other people. As time passed and I learned more, I came to recognize that anything I contacted could be affected by the alcoholism coming through me. My reactions to other things could be the same as the ways I reacted to the drinking. I began to see how my own reactions had made my life unmanageable. I saw how my role of martyr had taken a sense of responsibility away from other people and lowered their egos. I saw how I had done this not only to the alcoholic, but to other people in my life. I finally realized my life had become unmanageable because I was so busy taking care of others that I had no time to take care of me. I laid out clothes for family members so they would be well-dressed, but that left no time to see that I was at my best. I arranged for others to have doctor and dental appointments, but then I neglected my own. I didn't realize all of these things overnight. They came slowly, but finally I could understand the first step. I realized that I too have a disease, caused by my contact with all of the alcoholics in my life. Today I know I am powerless over all the nouns and pronouns in my life, other persons, places, and things. By process of elimination I discovered what I am not powerless over, myself. I am responsible for me. I am not responsible for another person's happiness nor are they responsible for mine. I know that no one else can control my emotions. No one can make me angry, sad, happy, or anything else without me giving them permission to do so. My feelings are my own. Today I understand that I am powerless over alcohol and that my life is unmanageable. I know with the help of Al-Anon and my higher power, whom I choose to call God, my life is becoming more manageable. So, of course, as I read that, or, you know, anytime I say alcohol, we can uh, switch that out for any sort of drug or any other addictive behavior for that matter. Um, but yeah, I just love the visualization of this, of the, you know, swimming in the sea of alcohol and then shaking that off to everyone around us. I can, you know, I know there's been plenty of times where I'm upset or frustrated with the alcoholic in my life and then take that frustration and irritability and am rude to the cashier at the grocery store or my coworkers or someone else in my life, right? It can really just uh, permeate all areas of our lives. And that to me is another sign of the unmanageability. And so I just love that visualization and how it's so important to uh, really take care of ourselves and the, you know, all the um, parts at the end about taking responsibility for ourselves. And that's the recovery part. You know, we can't change what's happened in the past or really how we've been impacted by this disease, but we do have responsibility and power over how we move forward. And I really enjoy this book 
and um, I'll I'll link it in the show notes if you resonated to that story or you liked it and want to look it up. But um, what I another thing I really like about it is it gives questions to sort of expand on these topics, and uh, I will share a few of these that are in the step one chapter that I think are um, really sort of powerful and um, gives a lot to think about. So one. Do I accept that I cannot control another person's drinking or another person's behavior? Two, how do I recognize that the alcoholic is an individual with habits, characteristics, and ways of reacting to daily happenings that are different from mine? Three, do I accept that alcoholism is a disease? How does that change how I deal with a drinker? How do I feel when the alcoholic refuses to be and do what I want? How do I respond? And what would happen if I stopped trying to change the alcoholic or anyone else? And there's 23 questions total in that section, but those are the ones that really stood out to me. And, you know, if any of those questions resonate with you, or maybe even as I said them sort of gave you a little gut punch, I encourage you to spend some time journaling on those. Um, again, I'll link that book in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. And so that's our time for today. So I hope that you found this helpful. I appreciate you being here with me today. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on step one or powerlessness on manageability on Instagram at grace through recovery. And if you're finding value in this podcast and know others who might as well, please share with them so they know they're not alone. Also, please rate and review wherever you're listening to help this podcast grow so more folks who need to be with us on this journey can find us. And so with that, I will talk to you all again next week, and I hope you always remember how worthy you are of the gifts of recovery.